Welcome to the When Wit Happens podcast. This is a podcast that helps you find ways to celebrate and live your best life even when stuff happens. Now, here's your host, Wit West. Welcome back to When Wit Happens. As I've let you guys know before, I'm going to have some friends on the podcast and today is another one of those days. And today I have one of my friends, Everett, on the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hi. Of course, I got like a bubble in my throat the moment I <laughs> say hi. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Everett. I have a last name. Not sure if I'm going to say it on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I don't know where this conversation is going to go and I don't need any of my people with whom I work to be trying to Google me. Um, but yeah, um, originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, I live in the D.C. area, attended Howard University. Things, I guess, that would probably find their way into this conversation. I'm an educator, but I've had a couple other careers along the way to get here. I'm a husband and I am a father and a son and a brother and all those good things that people put in their Instagram profiles. <laughs> yes, people love to load it up with the one word um, descriptors. Yes, this is me. This is all of who I am in these four words. Yeah. Oh, and if you're for real lit, you put a period in between each one of them and work <laughs> and everything. Right, right. You got to make sure they know. So I asked this to pretty much all my friends. Do you remember how we met? So here's the thing, um, and we've talked about this over the years. So I believe when we met was when I was fooling around at GW when I was new to the area, and there was a girl there from Arkansas, and I was the guy from Arkansas. So I think somehow we met in one of y'all's dorms freshman year. This and, is- and then what I remember like in us becoming friends was after I moved back to D.C. after having graduated, and Twitter, I guess, maybe. And we all kind of just ended up knowing each other and kind of hanging out. And you and Trinil would cook and we'd all just kind of kick it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the freshman year thing is cool. So this is I went to GW. He went to Howard. So, you know, when you're at a PWI, the black people sometimes, you know, at least at the beginning, kind of come together before everybody, you know, gets into their own groups. So the Black Girl Coalition was in the TV room downstairs watching TV. One of us or multiple of us, our radars go off and we look back behind us and we see Black men walking through the dorm. And we're like, this is GW, ain't no Black man here. Who are these men? So we decide to go out and we're like, um, hello, excuse me, come here, who are you? Because <laughs> we know you don't go here. And so, you know, the Arkansas thing happened and then Twitter was happening. So I feel like we knew of each other from there. And then when I think Trinil was moving, when she was moving from apartment to apartment or something, we again, I don't remember exactly what it was, but we figured out how we knew each other originally at some point. Trinil, she was packing or doing something or she was moving from apartment to apartment. I don't know how it happened. But yeah, we realized how we originally met. And then, you know, everybody was just kicking it. These were the golden days of Twitter before it became the den of iniquity it is now. I can only like really peep into Twitter (laughs) at this time because, you know, you get dragged for just breathing on there. Nowadays, it's rough. (laughs) Wait, I'm going to give you a deep cut. The other day I was thinking about when did Twitter go left? And I was like, thinking of, quote unquote, the good old days of Twitter. And I was like, what qualifies as the good old days of Twitter? And I was like, if you don't remember Tiffnasia Barinto, 
you ain't from the good old days of Twitter. And some of the people listening to this will remember Tiffnasia Barinto. That type of an account would not get legs anymore. No. Because we're super PC about everything now. But so. that was like good laughter. <laughs> everything was just, it really was free at that point. Like when it was good, like nobody was judging you for stuff. You were just really on there, like giving your stream of consciousness thoughts and everybody was chiming in and nobody was like getting really in their feelings about stuff. It was like good, hearty community. And even like the celebrities were getting in and replying to you and feeling comfortable just chilling. And that was like, it was good. You could get like backstage passes from a celeb. Like Chrisette Michelle was really good at it back then. Perfect examples. Snowmageddon happened in DC. Mm-hmm. Didn't nobody feel like they was by themselves because we all hung out on yeah. Twitter. Like, it was the original safe space before we started talking about safe spaces and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would say it saved my sanity when I wasn't working back in uh, 2009, 2010. Let me tell you, I, same thing, because that's during the time where I was doing a lot of the celebrity blogging type stuff and ended grad school 2010, was not working and was just on Twitter, like, connecting with everybody, feeling like I was talking to somebody every day, you know, just like getting out and about. And, you know, like my people, it's just so funny. Like I didn't go to Howard. I didn't take any classes at Howard. I did not hang out at Howard, but I had a whole lot of Howard friends (laughs) after I graduated. But yeah, it was just like connecting with like y'all on Twitter. Like I was able to go to people's houses during the day when they were off, like just to keep some sanity in that fun employment time. But now imagine finding yourself in that type of a headspace and your place to go is a Twitter. It is such a jungle in there now. It really is. Like, it's a cluster and I can't, I just can't be there. It's just not healthy. Everyone is branded and they have to stay on message. I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for, guys. Mm -mm. At all. Man, that is so crazy. How times change. And it's like nothing new like that is ever going to come about because everything is just so so scrutinized right and we'll have to bring back the um anonymous chat rooms <laughs> Listen, but really and and it's the scary thing about twitter is i've been on it since 2008 nine ish yeah i can't run for public office i am sure that i said something reckless back then. Like 23 <laughs> i can only imagine the stuff i said yo oh yeah, I'm going to have to scrub my accounts, like, if I ever become semi-popular or something. Because, <laughs> like, I say, like, Twitter is the place right now where you trip, somebody pushes you down to the ground and tells everybody you fail. No, but really. It's like, you can't even, like, make a, like, a half misstep, and they, like, acting like you killed somebody. No, yeah. but really. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can't, and I can't deal with that. That's just not, not my best space. But it, some great things did come from it you know in the beginning and i guess maybe that's kind of how everything is oh for real but you know i feel like we've reclaimed facebook though like we Yo, started, i kind of did facebook now right we we started facebook there was that era where we were like uh-uh you catch me on twitter um if you want to see me because i'm not about to be over here and then slowly but surely we pop back over and it's like ours again well, I think that we've grown from the 140 character clapback and we want to have a real substantive conversation now. Yeah. And now Facebook is a little bit more associated with who you actually are. So it's a little bit more difficult for the internet thugging over there. 
Uh-huh. So you get to have conversations and it also creates a space where you can realize, oh, this isn't someone I need in my vicinity anyway. Oh. But then you keep some of those people because you don't want to end up in an echo chamber. Like, <laughs> I'm okay with being right a lot of the times, but if I'm wrong, I need somebody to stand up and be like, here's how you can shape that a little bit better. So you can't right. get rid of everybody, but someone tried me today and I think that I'm not sure when you're going to release this, but I think right now a big thing is Aretha Franklin's funeral. Mm-hmm. So a lot of conversation on Facebook has, or hashtag on here has been um, in and around Ariana Grande's dress juxtaposed with the pastor touching her. Right. And I keep telling folks, I was like, no one has said that the pastor touching her was okay. Like no one said that. That is a straw man argument that you are creating in order to argue misogyny and patriarchy within the church. Mm. Also. Spoiler alert, no one said it wasn't in the church. Like, no, <laughs> no one said that thing. Yeah. But when we get through and we peel back all the layers and we talk about the policing of women's bodies, Ariana Grande's dress was still too short for a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can, you can have both and. Like, <laughs> like, both of those things happen and neither one of them were really okay. A lot was going on in that, you know, like you said, we've grown because sometimes I start to type out my paragraph and I'm like, do I even want to put myself into this argument that's about to happen? Because you know with some people it's not going to be a discussion and it's going to be an argument and it, you have to like decide for yourself, is this healthy? And you just either, you scroll on by. And you just- I, I literally had to tell this young lady, I said, you know what? I'm sorry because I made you the avatar for all the people who I have disagreed with today because this is a stupid point. But you and I don't owe each other any conversation in general. Haven't spoken to you since undergrad. Mm. Like, so forget that we spoke today, sis. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's cool. It is cool. Because I saw somebody making the comparison of Serena Williams' catsuit and Ariana's dress. And I was like, what they got to do with... Come on. Correct so, me if I'm like, wrong. Serena was playing tennis, to, right? Hello? In a, or was she at a funeral? In a bodysuit specially designed for her by athletics company, shout out to Nike, that is helping her not to have blood clots. Mm. Like, it was specially designed. It's not like, oh, it's cute, whatever, and it just happens to help. Specially designed. And it's appropriate for the sport like they wear short skirts there if she had that on it would have been the same thing but at, at a fume well a fume i love this fume i love it <laughs> but ariana grande's dress was appropriate for most of the other things she does in life yeah. like if she was at an award show mm-hmm. if she was at anything it was just as appropriate as this snug ponytail that she keeps holding on to like she could have done that anywhere but yeah. i was trying to explain to someone they was like well she wanted to be comfortable first of all a funeral ain't about your comfort but let's say that it is I can't wear basketball shorts wherever I want to. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's patriarchal or anything. I don't think it's matriarchal because someone was trying to make toxic femininity a thing. I was like, okay, guys, all the the places. But (laughs) I just think that there's a time and a place for things. And I don't think that we have to make it a Tumblr word of the day conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just, that's it. There's a time and a place. And, there's a podcast that's going to come out before yours. And it's just like, it's like one of those things where you try to make things such a hot button topic. And we were talking about women in relationships and, you know, also the way women dress. And you're just like, well, you want to teach men 
as well not to do certain things when they see like they don't have the right to do things. But at the same time, while we have not fixed the issue, you still have to teach women to be aware that these things happen. It's, it's a double-edged sword like when you're talking about some of these things because you don't want to just say we're just fixing this half of it and not be aware of what's happening now until the issues are fixed. So well, I fully agree. One thing that has always bothered me is the concept of men need to be taught to not behave X, Y, Z way. Mm-hmm. Men know not to act a damn fool. Mm-hmm. Like we, we do. I've been around for 33 and some change years. <laughs> like what a woman has on does not make it okay to do anything to right. her, to say anything to her. Now what I have grown to understand is unsolicited compliments, how scary they can be for a woman because of how some crazy men act down these streets. Yeah. So I think that because me and we get defensive, the ones who behave correctly, right? Right. We're like, no, da da I think that us being taught and us behaving correctly is a part of the solution, but mm-hmm. women need to also be aware that there are some men who are nuts. They yeah. were taught correctly, but they are just the lowest common denominator, and you need to keep your head on the swivel, sis. Like, yeah. um, I mean, that's just a thing, and it's, it's sad, and it's tragic, and I think that a lot of men, what's sad is that it's going to take them having to hear it from some woman that they care about for mm-hmm. them to kind of get it. And I think that that's a problem in and of itself because it shouldn't just matter because it matters specifically to this woman you care about. But I think it's crazy that we just expect all these deranged, problematic guys to just be okay and then women can just frolic in the streets. Like, that's just going <laughs> to... Like, that's just going to magically you know, but that's that's just like how I wouldn't walk down like a dark alley with a Range Rover key hanging out my pocket, mm-hmm. half drunk. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know these strangers. Like, I don't know these strangers. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I quick I quicken my pace in places. I'm a six one dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's both. It's just like what do they say? A, a ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. Amen. That surely is it. Like, yeah, you just have to be oh, very much aware of yourself. It's not that it's right or wrong, but where we are in a lot of things. Like when I'm driving from New Orleans to Arkansas and I'm go- mostly going through Mississippi, when I hit them back roads, I am all the way on the speed limit. You will not catch me. <laughs> okay, because you're not about to pull me over in Podunk, Mississippi. And uh-uh, no, no, sir. I- I'm just aware of where I am and the possibility for crazy like <laughs> gas stations predetermined anybody got time <laughs> new orleans and lake village arkansas that is the only places i will be stopping all the time but yes yeah, so you mentioned before about your career path so how has that been changing careers at this point in your life i almost said late in your life but it's not we're still young like we're still molding our careers and for a lot of people I guess people do get stuck in that path and feel like they can't change like what made you decide to change your career field at this point so it's really interesting um I was just reading an article about high functioning people with depression and like things that they all have in common and one of the things was they look for or rather we look for meaning in everything So (laughs) I say that before I go into this spiel about how I ended up in education after having been in corporate America for close to 10 years. I think everything happens for a reason. And I think that I was avoiding my true fate for years. Mm -hmm. And then God or whichever deity your listeners choose to deal with on that day (laughs) uh, had to force my hand a little bit. Also, 
give dap to my wife. I'm not sure if she wants her name all out there, but if y'all <laughs> if y'all know me, y'all know I got a wife. Y'all know she's fine and she's real smart. Yes, yeah, she is. She is. And so she she does awesome things. She's Whitney Soror. I'll give you that. Hey. Um, so she and her parents and have been saying for the longest I should get an education. My mom is a teacher, sister's a teacher, grandmother was a teacher. I've worked in programs with students for eons, but I just was like, but the coin. Mm. (laughs) So my first job offer out of undergrad was Teach for America, but I worked with a program back home in Arkansas that wouldn't allow me to go to the Summer Institute for Teach for America. So I turned it down. I was like, I'll find a job, whatever. I got an offer, worked for a congressman for a little while, but again, like, but the coin, like this is a cool job. The people I'm working with are amazing. They're some of the people, my favorite people. Like, I love everyone from that office. Mm-hmm. They gave a 22-year-old a great opportunity with no experience, just off the strength. Like, these yeah. are amazing people that I would ride for today. One of them I consider, like, my brother. Like, we still talk all the time. The others we email from time to time, but they, like, grown. They got, like, real girls stuff going on. <laughs> um, and then, so after that, I was recruited based off of a chance meeting when I was in undergrad, I was the president of my fraternity and one of my neos had like gone to monster DLP and met a recruiter Hmm. brought him to campus. We had a conversation and he reached out to me the next year. I got an offer with target corporate, double my salary, moved me to Minnesota. But for me, the job was kind of difficult and I guess I just wasn't great at it. And it didn't feel good to not be good at something. So I was fairly stressed out and I just wanted to be not there. (laughs) again like the people I worked with just didn't love the work Uh, ended up moving back to DC temping for a while that's around the time I guess we reconnected Mm -hmm. and again when I say like God held it down like (laughs) held it did okay I missed not one student loan payment not one Mm. not one rent I was still able to hit the bar at appropriate (laughs) I was able to uh, just make it work. I was able to fly home. I was able to go to Chicago to visit my wife when she was in uh, working on her master's. It was cool. Got a job. It was for lack of a better term. And you know me, I'm fairly verbose. I like to drop a Michael Eric Dyson word every now and again. <laughs> this was legit like the dead endest of jobs. Like it was like salaried, but really wasn't a talent needing position. Mm. Um, but I accepted it because it paid more than the other job I was being offered there. Right. Did that for a while. A wife got pregnant. I mean, I was like, okay, got a job offer somewhere else, but couldn't get paternity leave before she would have had the, the kid. Okay. So I was like, well, this is what's important to me. So I stuck it out. My wife delivered our child. I got an email from work about some work that day. I was like, well, I'll be quitting. Like, I was <laughs> like, I've got to find somewhere else to go because I can't work for someone like that. You've known what I've got going on. You knew the due date. Why are you emailing me about this right now? Right. So I left all my handoff stuff and went to HR on her. Like I went to HR, they did nothing. I was like, okay, well, it's time mm-hmm. to go. Worked another job that I thought I was going to be passionate about. Not really going to discuss that because I don't really have too many good things to say about it. Oof, yeah. <laughs> but the good thing I will say about it is that's when I realized I had anxiety. I would have like anxiety attacks going to work. Mm-hmm. And one day got there and they took me in a little room and kind of let me know they weren't going to need my services anymore. Wow. But I came downstairs and outside of the chick, I was like relieved. Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay, so now we figure it out again. In the meantime, my wife had been pushing this look at going and working in schools. Look at this, look at that. And I had reached out to my good friend who taught, now he's a principal, and another friend of mine, well, line brothers, whatever, your, your people know, they get yes. it. 
And they were just telling me how to get on in the various school districts. So, and it happened well before this thing happened at work. My wife bought me Praxis books, his birthday presents, like was really pushing this agenda. Mm-hmm. And then he called me one day and was like, are you still trying to get into teaching? And I was like, well, <laughs> now that you mention it. Actually. <laughs> and I come in, they do this big hiring fair. My wife is out of town. My sister-in-law watches my daughter so that I can go to this hiring fair. I get there and my first interview is with him. <laughs> <laughs> did you catch that <laughs> the, the hook okay <laughs> and so after I talked to him and I talked to the next interview and they gave me a piece of paper in the next interview and I'm thinking okay I must have lost like I took an L because it was different than the piece of paper I got for my first interview and this woman sees me in the hallway she's like oh you must have done well I was like what do you mean she's like oh we're headed over to give you a contract oh and I was like so you mean to tell me in theory I was unemployed for like three weeks <laughs> Now, the thing is, school doesn't start until the fall, though. <laughs> right, right, right. Tis true. But I had that job offer. So if I had been working at the time of that fair, there's no way I would have gone. Wow. If I had been happy or as chill or comfortable in my job as I was at the job before this last one, I would not have entertained going and doing something like this. I wouldn't have been reaching out. I wouldn't have been... Mm-hmm trying to look at anything else. So I figure like when people talk about their steps being ordered and things being having to get uncomfortable for them to really make decisions and change their lives, that's what happened here. And I can say that in the two years that I've been in the classroom, I've not been as professionally fulfilled ever. Wow. Even on my roughest days in the classroom, they outshine my best days in the office. Man, that's amazing. That really is. And, like, do you think this, it all really happened, like, at the right time? Would you have been, like, prepared to do this earlier? The only thing I wish that would have happened earlier, I wish that we had made that, I wish this would have worked out before my wife and I purchased a home. Because I work really far away from my house. And if we were in an apartment, we could have made different decisions based on this new normal for us. Yeah, that makes sense. But I definitely think that... Things happen for a reason. They happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Uh, things seem to be going really well in this role. I, I was kind of choked up toward the end of the year. I was like, wow, I almost, while I'm looking forward to the summer, I'm going to actually miss my coworkers. I'm going to actually miss my students. I felt valued. I felt like what I brought to the table was appreciated. And that wasn't something I got from the other places. It feels like if I'm not there, I leave a void. Whereas working in corporate, you're not there. Somebody else can push this button. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a hard feeling to to find, like that you feel like you're really, really valued and needed and people actually listen (laughs) to you and value your input with everything. Yeah. And when I was at my last job, I came into work. My birthday was the day after Trump's election. I came in to work on my birthday and just kind of looked around and I was like, "I, I can't do this. Like, I just I just can't. And being with the kind of people who go into education because we were laughing today about how rough the world is. And they were like, but we, we're on the front la- lines with the opportunity to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't see that in my bank account, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I do feel like I affect that change. I feel like there are conversations I have with these students that they've never had before. And one day I had a student who I didn't really think received much from me. Like I thought that, like, look, here this biology stuff, girl. Like, do with it what you will. You're smart. You're doing well in the class. And one day, a guy said something that was fairly sexist. 
And I like kind of like really loud talked to him. I was like, oh, we don't talk like that. I was like, that sounds silly and don't ever use words like that in my presence. Mm-hmm. And on her way out of class, she's like, Mr. Kelly, I really appreciate how you call that stuff out. Yes, you just, you, you really impacting lives over here. Let me find out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me find out. That's what I was talking to another friend recently and he was teaching the class. He was like, my name is on some, somebody child's syllabus. Like, <laughs> listen, look at, <laughs> look at how life <laughs> will get I, you okay. I laugh because uh, at the beginning of every year, so our school has a CMS page and you can go in and you can look and see who your child is going to have. And I have a little a old headshot up and all of that. And I can look at, at the beginning of the year, how my web traffic just shoots through the roof because people are trying to figure out what is going on with this black man teaching my child biology. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that about? They're like, who this? Right. <laughs> who this man? And how did the biology, how did that come about? So I, was a biology major in undergrad. Okay. Very few people apparently know that. <laughs> yeah, I had no clue. Yeah. I mean, granted, I, we didn't really know each other in undergrad for real, so. Yeah, I was originally a pharmacy major because there was a, like, an ad or something in Parade. Do you remember Parade? They used to come yes. in the Sunday paper? Yes. So there was an ad in there that talked about how much money science pharmacists make coming out of college. And I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> and then I got to organic chemistry and said, how about Ooh, we do Right. He was like, oh, don't yeah. Don't do that. But I didn't believe in wasting like classes I had already taken. So I was like, what can I still get up out of here with a four-year degree? And it was biology. So I wrote that out. Sometimes I question it. I w- Sometimes I wish I had moved like to the school of C or something like that. And the older I get, I, it's more school of C than school of B. At one point I felt possibly school of B. Mm-hmm. But now it's more so a uh, school of C would have been cool. But again, I think things happen for a reason. I think that having a degree in biology puts me in demand in the field that I'm in. Yeah. It happened how I was supposed to, every piece of it. Okay. I finished paying off my student loans. I paid mm. more, my cell phone bills more than my student loans were. Mm. Like, like, so I couldn't be mad about the degree I had. It was. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> you You did good. <laughs> Because everybody that had it, um, that experience, I know if I could do a lot of things differently with where I chose to go to school, it would probably be, probably be different. It's hard because I feel like I met a lot of the people I was supposed to meet in my life by going to GW. But mm-hmm. like, was GW ultimately the best decision for me? Probably not. And that's where I get a lot with my love, love, love relationship with Howard. Like when I first got there, I was over it. I was like, I want to go home. This dorm is raggedy. There's no air conditioning. <laughs> I don't know anybody. I'm over it. But when I look back in my life, that is something I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. Like, like no piece of it would I have traded. Living in Drew Hall, I got to meet some people who are really making things happen. And if I had lived in any other dorm, wouldn't have met them. If at any point I had left Howard, I wouldn't have a lot of my great friends, even the ones that didn't go to Howard. Yeah. I didn't meet my wife until my senior year of college. That's like a late stage of life to meet someone. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if at any point along the way I hadn't moved in the way that I did I wouldn't have yeah it's definitely the people for me is I know that's why I ended up at GW and I mean I know I was supposed to be there because when you talk about ordered steps it was a clear it was a clear path for me like how I ended up at boarding school is the big starting part of it in Jersey somebody who was there in admissions like really like took essentially took me under his wing and was just like watching me throughout my whole time there coming to my junior year. He's like, so 
when are you going on college tours? Like, calls, yells my name across campus, a white man, like, mm-hmm. calling out <laughs> across campus. Like, when are you going on college tours? And I'm like, college what? Right. He's like, tours. What schools are you looking at? When are you going to look at them? I was like, I don't have money. He said, if you don't report to financial aid tomorrow morning with the tour that you plan on going to, um, it's going to be a problem. So I did that. And then like you pick the schools and we cut, we like went all up and down the East coast. My school paid for it, sent me spending money, bought my plane tickets, everything. And we got to DC and we were choosing between schools and I had selected Georgetown to view instead of GW. And we were on the bus and like, let's say there were 40 kids there like 39 of them had signed up to see Georgetown and one guy had signed up to George to see GW. And so the lady who was on the tour, I was like, well, what's really the difference between Georgetown and GW? And she said something and she was like, you know, like, you know, Georgetown is like the more proper, whatever it's up kind of over here, but GW is a really good school. It's in the middle of the city. And I was like, you know, I don't know much about GW. I can find out about Georgetown stuff every anywhere. Let me go v- visit GW. And I decided to, me and that one guy <laughs> went and toured GW, and both of us ended up at GW. That is awesome. Like, college tours, I think I visited a few HBCUs, like, along the way, because random churches back home would have college tours. Of course, I visited all the ones in Arkansas, because they <laughs> ended up sending for you. And then Howard, literally, I had a couple cousins that went there. They were a couple years ahead of me. And then they sent a fee waiver. And I knew that they were notorious for apparently not sending fee waivers. Mm. And I was like, I mean, them, it's for free application. Why not? Like, yeah, I had flown up to visit Bowdoin for free. And I was like, okay, these are going to be polar opposites. Whatevs. I was considering Vassar just because I had heard of it. <laughs> and I knew that based on my test scores, wherever I applied, I was getting in. It was who was going to cash me out. Um, hello. <laughs> and... And my parents were big proponents for the HBCU experience, which meant nothing. It meant a little bit to me at that point. Do you remember Sinbad's brain damage stand-up? That sounds familiar, but well, refresh me. It was, it was filmed on Morehouse's campus. And okay. it was from like the early 90s. And so that always stuck with me. And um, school days, of course, and my yes. big sister went to HBCU. And so I was like, if I'm going to go to HBCU, it's got to be pretty far away from home because I have got to like get up out of here. <laughs> and, and so I applied to Howard and Xavier and I didn't finish my application to Morehouse because Morehouse and then uh, Dillard, they offered me a full ride but didn't include books. So, I, mm. so I, and I'm bougie at this point. I was like, nah, you got to read them books. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And so Howard was like, all right, we'll see you in the fall. And I was mad that I had to pay an enrollment fee. I was like, y'all paying y'all sales. Right. <laughs> But paid the enrollment fee, got there, saw my dorm, and almost got back in the car. I was like, <laughs> maybe we'll try this again next semester. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I definitely was bougie coming from the boarding school that I was at. <laughs> that was one of the, the richest schools in the country. It's like I wasn't going to be able to roll up to just anybody's dorm. But luckily, GW had quote-unquote dorms like palaces, although they were still, you know, whatever. I'll say this. I did like GW undergrad. My experience was more tainted when I was there in grad school, but it's just still the people, DC, being there, like everything, everything was meant to be in terms of that. And like my probably number one choice at the time when I was in high school was Princeton. Mm. But you just Princeton, want to stay in Jersey? You just about that Jersey my, life? 
that was my thing. Princeton literally is down the street, same road as my high school. And I said, if I want to continue expanding myself, going from Arkansas to Jersey, I need to step out of the bubble that I'm comfortable in. Like I'm comfortable in Princeton and Lawrenceville. Like I'm here. I've been here for three years. Like this is normal for me. I need to continue pushing outside the bubble. And that's when I was like, I need another city, but not New York, <laughs> something smaller. Right. And was what was like next on my list. Yeah, I, I loved it. Like, the more I look back at it, and clearly, you know, your memory corrects and makes things even, like, more fond and whatever. Yeah. But I just, the diversity that was there that people don't understand. I love to have conversations with people and blow their minds <laughs> with what Howard really is like compared to what they saw on someone's video or what they're seeing on Twitter. Like, yeah. It just was amazing. And, I, and like, like your experience at GW, like, it was the perfect fit for me. Yeah. It was meant to be. It's, it's crazy how these things happen, especially, you know, those kids from Arkansas ending up <laughs> all the way up in D.C. Right. And everybody, you'd be like, oh, you're in Washington? Be like, not Washington State, though. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and, I'm not at, and I'm not at Harvard. Like, I would be back home. They're like, I heard you go to Harvard. You heard incorrectly. You should probably right. get You should probably get your facts right. <laughs> People said the craziest things to me. Like when I was at boarding school, they were like, I didn't know you were in trouble. I'm like, what? Oh, oh girl. That's right. not how boarding schools all oh, Okay, this is not how this is not how this I'm just ooh. I don't know how to explain this to you, but no. This is no, no, that's not how this works. I I just think of the ways that that experience like stretches you, right? Like mm-hmm. they had me in pageants. <laughs> like <laughs> pageants, bro. Like what? Ooh. Yeah, man. It's so you just never know what where life is gonna take you and it's just oof. I swear we ain't that old, but we done had some experiences. <laughs> yeah, we done some living, gal. We done, <laughs> done a little bit of living here, you know. <laughs> Even if it's just for li- leaving the country. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it makes a world of difference. The stuff we done we done seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how has being a dad? How has that been? Like, it's tough, right? And I hate to be one of those, like, Instagram people because sometimes it feels as if the pictures I put up are just, like, this false, like, oh, he ma- he's, like, making it all flowery and thus and so and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it is the most exciting, frustrating, scary, amazing, <laughs> beautiful thing that you can experience. Uh-huh. Like, I was talking to someone, and I've said this, and it's popped up on my timeline in the past, and... Like, the saying is older than both my marriage and my child. Mm-hmm. But when a lot of people sit up and they talk about, when I grew up, I want to be a ninja basketball player, scientist, doctor. Like, I was always, I want to be a great husband and a better father. Mm-hmm. Like, those are always my, like, life goals. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of a more perfect child for me. Like, my daughter is the perfect mix of her mother and I. Like, <laughs> she is so, 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 so smart. Like, my wife said when, when our daughter was really young, she looked at her and she said, she's going to change the world. And I, and I believe it. Like, yes. the excitement she has for learning, the love she has for other people, and their traits that it sounds crazy to see this early. Mm-hmm. But I see it. Uh, there was a child that was lost at this big play place we took her to yesterday. And there was a kid that was lost and she saw the kid through the net and she was like, 
daddy, she's lost. And I was like, oh, okay. And I started kind of, my wife stayed with our daughter and I started looking for parents who looked like they weren't paying attention to their children. Uh, <laughs> for real, it's like this place with all these kids and all these adults running around. I was like, who is sitting here talking to another adult and they don't have a child assigned to them? And so I went over to this lady. I was like, hi, is your daughter by chance wearing light blue? She was like, yes. I said, she's over there behind that net upset looking for you. And then the girl was inconsolable. The mom went over to the net and then she was trying to find a way to get to the little girl. Mm-hmm. I know how the place kind of is set up. So I just race over there to kind of go get to where the little girl is to then explain to the mom how to get there. Right. Because if this is my daughter. I need to get to her. Mm-hmm. The time I got to this little girl, my daughter <laughs> had already gone through the maze and gotten to her and was bringing her to her mom. Oh my gosh. My daughter is three years old. <laughs> and so. <laughs> She's this amazing. This is a stranger kid to her who is upset. If she has snacks, y'all get snacks. If she has, <laughs> like, anything. Like, she's willing to give it to anybody now. Apparently, that's a cancer trait. Like, apparently, that's okay. just what, what it's going to be like. And we're going to yeah. be broke for her giving everything to everybody. Yeah, pretty much. I, that's my life right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, me. So, I don't want to stifle that in her. I think it's beautiful. I don't... She speaks to everybody that she sees. And when people don't speak back, they now have to deal with an angry six-foot... 230-pound black man. Hello. Because you don't crush my daughter's innocence in that way. If she is speaking to you, be glad that she chose to speak to you. (laughs) Like, just be glad that she took the time out of her schedule to speak to you because she's better than you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, three-nager. Listen, and I will ride for her till the end. And when my wife was pregnant with her, it was one of the most terrifying times of my life. I guess not. I don't know if the word is uneventful when it's like everything went how it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Pregnancy. But the entire time, I just always go back to the top eight things of functional depressing people. We think of worst case scenarios. And yeah. I was like, what is the world that I survive in without either of them? And this is before she was even born. Right. I was like, this is who I am now. So if anybody listening follows my Instagram, you are quite familiar with my daughter because she is the star of the show. And we'll continue to be so. We're she loves gymnastics right now. Uh, We just introduced her to the Proud family, so she's always talking about the gross sisters and wondering why they're so mean and stuff like that. She has jokes like the other day. (laughs) She explained to me how she was living her best life. Hey, and that that she wasn't going back and forth with you, Daddy. (laughs) But she's living (laughs) her best life. And I cannot. uh, She's just amazing. She's perfect, and I think that. I just try to follow that lead. If I can be as good a dad to her as she is a daughter to me, we'll be fine. I love it. It's the best job I've ever had. Like, she's absolute perfection. Oh, my gosh. I love hearing that. (laughs) I love hearing daddies talk about their daughters. It's, like, the best thing ever. It's just so great. And she's so smart. Like, the fact that she was able to not only read the other little girl's emotions (laughs) or the other kid's emotions and determine what was going on is better than some full adults like in terms right. like I know adult people who who can't look at you and, and know that you're trying to tell them to get out your face like like in the fact that she could read that and she don't even know that person she's she's something special yeah that's my that's my little bu- my little buddy we had uh when she was a baby 
my wife and I would try to sing her nursery rhymes, but we realized we don't actually know the words to them. And so we would be singing them and then we would get to a point of like, do, 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 and like whatever that was. And so her nick, one of her nicknames ended up being Doodums from the Dutes in our attempt to put together the songs. So one day, it was right before my summer was wrapping up and she had a doctor's appointment. We had Daddy and Doodums Day. And we just went and did whatever she wanted to do. She ate ice cream. We went to this big indoor gym. We watched movies at home. She ate nuggets till her face fell off. <laughs> and uh, she, we was on the phone with her mom. <laughs> and uh, she was talking about, oh, yeah, next time I'll go to such and such, too. And Winnie was like, no, it was Daddy and Doodum's Day. Oh. <laughs> she was like, you are not invited. Right. Uh, she was like, that's so cute. It's been... Three years. Mm-hmm. How has that time like been? Has it gone by faster than you expected it, or have you been able to kind of like step back and enjoy it all fully? I try to be reflective of everything because this existence is so painfully finite to me. Mm-hmm. Like the most upsetting thing to me about living on the East Coast is being far away from my family and then being so much older every time I'm home. Right. So I try to really experience and be present for those moments, and I'm really aware of it because you see her go from 19 inches long and can't lift her head to this like three foot and some change three-year-old on the like uneven bars yeah and it's like we did some living in there but lord (laughs) (laughs) and it's crazy and i think that the only times i get frustrated with her is because she does have those moments where it's like she knows so much but then I have to remember she's three. Like this temper tantrum you're having is a three-year-old thing. Yeah. And she's not just being awful to be awful. She's three. She doesn't know what to do with that emotion. She, she doesn't understand that I can't have this because. Yeah. It's I can't have this because you don't love me anymore. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's how they receive it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's gone fast. And I feel like we've had a great, like a lot of time to make memories. And I think that is something for which I will be forever grateful. And I, I like that we take pictures of everything nowadays as a society. Yeah. I, I wish that we still had those. Do you remember the 110 cameras that you had to like crank and yes. took a picture and you didn't know how bad it was until you paid to have it processed? Yeah. I wish that we did that as opposed to taking a perfect picture every time. So you can have those crazy pictures. Well, and so you would show them, right? Like, mm-hmm. so we have crazy pictures, but you hide them in your phone and you wait yeah. until you get the perfect one to uh, put the right filter on and the right angle. And then you use, what is it, Facetune to get rid of all your pores. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, that's not really a memory. Yeah. A memory is the time that your daughter picked up your phone and took a selfie of herself that was an eye and a nostril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a good and and bad thing. My niece was born in January, my first niece, and I have so many pictures of her from being on FaceTime with her all the time or being in person with her. I was like, this baby is going, she never, whatever, throwback Thursday, whatever, <laughs> flashback, whatever they doing by the time she get an Instagram or whatever it's called by then, right. she's never going to run out. She already got hundreds and hundreds of pictures of her. She's not even a year old, a video, all type of stuff, all type of manner of stuff. And right. just, you're able to document stuff. And, don't, and also, I like that you don't have to worry about it, like being destroyed i guess you can always back it up a billion ways 
Oh, God. Um, Apple got it. You can just hit them up. Just say, yeah, hey, just Apple. Like, hey, yo, <laughs> let me get that back. Because <laughs> right. I'm like thinking about where am I, where is my this like back at home or where is that? And I don't necessarily know where all of those pictures were. And I find, well, I find pictures from undergrad. Oh, my gosh. I found some things the other day. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. Stuff that we got developed. I was like, maybe I should destroy this film. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a good time capsule. But again, like you said, yeah, you have some perfect People put the Instagram filters, you know, you just putting your perfect Instagram images out there instead of, you know, just living in the moment for real, for real. And I think that even that speaks to what we were talking about earlier about how Twitter is now. Like, it speaks to the fact, like, no one is comfortable sharing their truth the way that they were a few years ago. Yeah. I think that what is feeding everyone's anxiety is that everyone is giving a false sense of who they are. So mm-hmm. everyone, no one feels like they can measure up to it. So then we're all just leveling up and leveling up and leveling up. And in a few years, when we all check our debt to income ratio, uh-huh. <laughs> and we just spent all this money impressing folks that don't even know our last names, like, it's going to be crazy. When you were talking about stuff back home, it made me think of even how we named our daughter. Like, she's got a name that we can't give anybody else. And the way that we came about it, we can't do with another kid. Uh-huh. Um, she has, both my wife and I had a grandmother pass before we were born. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother passed on my birthday three years before I was born. Oh. And so um, one of my daughter's middle names is her name, spelled differently than hers was spelled, but apparently the midwife spelled it wrong. So the way that we spelled my daughter's name was how hers was supposed to be spelled. Mm. And I never knew that story, as well as my wife's grandmother who passed. Those are her middle names. So we felt that she carries a little bit of something that was really important and missing for both of us. And she kind of is that. It's, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how things happen exactly how, how they're supposed to happen in a way. You know, it's just weird just looking back on certain occurrences and just realizing, like, this is all kind of meant to be, to be like this in a way. Like, you know, it, com- it comes together. Yeah. Together. And we still out here living. We still we out here living, living our best life. <laughs> okay. Not going back and forth with these with Twitters. You, no, with them Twitters. <laughs> with you daddy or <laughs> nobody nobody else like your daughter said. We we all out here. Right. <laughs> trying to live the best life. But yeah, what but what you said a second ago is also true. Like I even found that like in myself and what I write in my blog and stuff like that, I don't it's not the same level of shit. <laughs> Also, because it's not the same level of visibility as well. So you want to sometimes shield the the innocent <laughs> if you're speaking fully and innocent sometimes yourself. But really? um, yeah, it's it's hard to to share. Sometimes you just don't necessarily know how it's going to be received, as we were talking about as well. Um, one person can pick apart your truth and make you seem like a villain when all you were trying to do was express a feeling, you know? Right. Or a thought. And they take away the for me at the end of your sentence and decide Mm -hmm. that you hate this thing. Like, if I were to say that I'm not a huge fan of X artist, in that sentence, I said, I am not a huge fan of that artist. There is nothing to be argued there. Nothing. You can't can't empirically prove that I am a fan of that artist. But you have to be careful with whom you you share your truth. Like, not everybody's worth it. Yeah, this is true. I wonder what the internet is going to look like in the next, like, I would say five years, but we're moving at such a quick pace 
now it's kind of like next year. I was going to say the next five years, it probably won't look that lit because by then we'll be living in the book of Eli. So <laughs> a whole bunch of internet to go around. <laughs> look, it won't be much. Y'all just, what is y'all doing to Al Gore's internet? <laughs> Man. But I want to thank you for being on the podcast with me today. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, we're going to have to have another whole conversation because, you know, we just get on here and get to talking about all manner of stuff. And it's already been like an hour. <laughs> you messed around and asked me about Winnie. And that's going to always <laughs> turn into something because that's my dog. Yeah, that, that's the homie, man. You oh, talk about the babies. And also people out there. Don't think that my wife is not also very important to me. It's just, I got real excited because I was talking about my boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we know the wifey is, we know she's important. We know that. The ones of us who know you and anybody who doesn't know him, he love that girl. He love that girl. From the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I couldn't leave you without a little adventure and ridiculosity. And my guest Everett is going to join us on this as well. So we're just going to chat about a few things that have been going on in the world. And a few weeks ago or sometime, I was on Facebook talking about how Can You Stand the Rain? Voice the Men's version is superior to the original version. And this got into a whole discussion on Facebook and apparently, there's some people out here who don't properly respect the boys to men as they should. And um, Everett was a part of this discussion. So we were like, oh, let's bring this up here because I, we can't have people out here dis- disrespecting boys to men because they got the vocals. They got the range. Okay. I mean, it's, it's really simple, right? So whenever New Edition covers the Beatles and does a better job than the Beatles did, then we can actually have this conversation. Whenever New Edition can tour today as a whole group and each one of them can sing, mm. we can also have this conversation. Mm. Like, Can You Stand the Rain is an amazing vocal accomplishment. It is. For Johnny Gill mm. and Ralph Tresman. Yep. Ricky Bell, I appreciate your little part. <laughs> I also like that Michael Bivens gave y'all like a sentence. Sentence, okay a smooth sentence, but the fact that the three members of Boys to Men are still out here giving you harmonies that mm. non-siblings usually can't achieve, well, like, it just, it's not comparable. Now, just say that you like one of the groups more. It's like the people who are out here that just say Beyonce can't sing as a blanket statement. Just say you don't like her voice. Just say it, please. And, that, and that's fine. Like, you don't have to. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, you just cannot deny. Like, I'm not talking about the nostalgia that you got for New Edition or that this was the first version. Like, the first don't always mean the best. And don't... And <laughs> Ask Burt Backrack about every know. song that Luther sang of you. <laughs> and you want to hold on to Johnny Gill on the song. Okay. This is not Johnny Gill versus Boys to Men. Take that out. And then what you get? What you get? Boys to Men killed that song. I, I don't even have you don't even have to talk about it. I just be like, just listen. Let just open your ears. Let and, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike perform that song today. Those are the ones that perform together. Let right. them perform. Can you stand the rain against today? I'm saying Wanye might have just finished a drink. 
Mm. Let them go perform it now, and it'll be better. Shoot. They can sitting down. Boys yeah. can just belt that out, just like mm, lean back, half comfortable, lung suppressed, like just can give it to you. Flat foot sing. Mm. Like they are the best vocal band of the 90s, male. Like, you got to remember that this is a decade that included in Vogue. Yeah. <laughs> but male, it, there's no competition. Now, who's your favorite? Probably Drew Hill. But <laughs> boys to men, much more vocally talented. And if we're talking musicianship, like, they just are better. Yeah, they just are. Like, it's just, it's just the sound of it. Like, and people were trying to say, oh, it's just because it's acapella. No! Yeah, it is acapella, which should give you an easier method of listening to their voices. But since you can't hear, I guess right. it, that doesn't matter. But yeah, I'm just like, look, the fact that they could do that song acapella automatically should give them a leg up. I'm, anyway. just, I'm just over people with these ridiculous claims of how they feel about stuff just because that's their mama told them to think. Like, people that think that Jodeci was a great group. Like, <laughs> they were a 90s group. Let me tell you, these mamas, they, they sure will impart some opinions into your life, okay? And you don't even be knowing it. So you be like, how did you come to to not like this person? Be like, well, my mom, uh-uh. See, <laughs> what I need to do is go listen. Because my mama did that to me, too. My mama did not like Anita Baker. <laughs> and I will say, I being the music person I am, I am not the biggest fan of Anita Baker still. Mm-hmm. But I may not have given her her best chance because of how I was raised in that, but I just, I don't enjoy all of her music like everybody else does. A song here and there, I can say, okay, yeah, that's the jam. But yeah, the mamas, they get into your spirit and they, maybe that's what's tainting this debate because y'all will not come out here talking about Jodeci and them, ooh, we and, and they sound some better than boys and men. Y'all, mm-mm. We're not doing that on today. Not on today, on tomorrow. Mm-mm. Next week ain't looking good either. Ever, okay? Forever more. You know what <laughs> okay. I will say about stuff tainting your view of things? Old school Twitter, do you remember Gats to be real? Yes. Definitely tainted my view of Aretha Franklin for a few years. <laughs> Because to me, she was hate Reetha. And it was just funny because every time she would do something, it would seem so shady. But I think that's what made her endearing. Yeah. Like, she seemed like the auntie that didn't really care, that carried her purse on stage and only was paid in cash. She was a shady auntie, for sure. My mom uh, told me a story about when she was at the Delta convention in Chicago. I guess this was in 2000. Mm -hmm. And she said she saw Aretha at the grocery store well, her people in the grocery store and Aretha was sitting out in her limo and she gave the person cash to go in and buy her groceries because she was going to cook in her suite because the food was gross. <laughs> you know, the, these ladies, they got their ways about them. <laughs> they really do. That's, that's how Patty said she got to cooking and stuff too. She said, uh-uh, I wasn't about to be eating this food out places. They just don't trust nobody. You know, these aunties, that's where we got not trusting everybody food because they the ones in the background talking mess about it. Don't eat Linda's. Uh, <laughs> she put raisins on potato salad. I was you. Mm-mm. Come here, baby. Come over here. And you be like, what? If people fooled you, what they do? You be like, they just be like, mm-mm. And that's how they treat everybody is a mm-mm. 
They like she got cats in her house. Yeah, <laughs> look at look at her nails. You hear all the reasons you you start looking at the craziest stuff. Be like, mm mm, she wore her hair like this the other day. That means she did this. Mm-mm, I don't trust it. What is something that everybody seems to just be on that you just can't care about? Like you cannot make yourself care. Let's see, maybe power, power, and t- let's just go TV shows in general. And I don't know if this is the small, tiny part of me that's that wants to be a contrarian, but I'm I'm absolutely not a contrarian mm-hmm. because when people get wrapped up in these TV shows, and I used to be like this a while back, but Power Empire, I still haven't watched the new edition story because it was just so much hype around it. I just could not get myself involved in it, and people like. You know, I I guess it used to be a thing back when Twitter was popping. We watch everything on Twitter with Twitter together. It was like a whole family situation. Right. I just, the anxiety of having to be in front of a TV and doing all that, I just can't get with it. Like everybody join forces and we're going to watch this together. And if you don't watch it now, you it's going to be ruined for your whole life because everybody's going to tweet about it or be on Facebook about it as it happens. Like I can't get with it. I feel like my life is being held hostage <laughs> when I watch some of these things. Because <laughs> everybody's trying to get their jokes off. They really are. It's like, dang, you can't get no, especially with movies. I'm like, you can't get nobody like five minutes to, to go on here. Like when I don't even watch Power. Like, I've mm-hmm. seen some episodes here and there. But they, when they released the episodes early, y'all really out here spoiling a major plot <laughs> twist. You had a smooth and, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, meaning you watched it the moment it came on. Second, okay. And raced to Facebook to share a major plot point. Because you had to be the first one. I guess that's it. That's probably what it dives down into. People needing to be the first one to share some news. Yeah. Why? This is why people's deaths keep getting recirculated. Because people seeing stuff on their timeline and they just are sharing without reclicking. And why? Why are you doing this? I saw somebody reshare the other day about, um, speaking of a favorite of ours, about Gene Wilder passing away. I said, look, uh uh-uh. This man is not dead on today. He was dead on yesterday, several years ago. Okay. Like, did you really have, just click in there. And if the date not at the top, please scroll because I'm going to tell you something in there. It's going to let you know or a quick Google. A quick, a, a quick wiki search. Hello. We'll a, let you know. A cute one. Like it just won't even, it don't take much. Just let it come up in the first page. Just, mm. oh, okay. Sunset, like 2016 or something. Right. If it don't say on today, a right. few minutes ago. And if it wasn't on the Yahoo front page, like what made you think that like they just kept it a secret and you had to go you find had, it out for you everybody? Got info. <laughs> you the breaking news. Like they really be on it. Like I'm just like, okay, what made you think this was true? Yeah, just I mean, that was my man, Willy Wonka. That's one of my faves. Yes, that is that is everything. And there they try to do that remake. See, I'm also of the the book was better culture. Oh, <laughs> so like I hate y'all. <laughs> or the original was better culture. I stopped reading for a few years because I got so mad that they was ruining my movies, my books, by putting them into movies. I said, how dare you? Why did I read this for y'all to come ruin it? Like, <laughs> I was just like, y'all are ruining my life. I think one of the only books that, like, from childhood that was done justice was um, Matilda. Yeah, that was a cute little movie. Yeah, they did that good. And then 
I was real mad. I don't even think I ever really watched it when they came back and got my like elementary school favorite. When they came and made Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, I was like, y'all don't even know about that book. Y'all ain't true to this. <laughs> y'all know who it is. Who, why is y'all making something out? They don't know. They ain't real. <laughs> They don't know nothing about this. I hate y'all in the, the book was better culture, though. Y'all wear me out. Yes. Like, we get it. The book, because nothing can touch what you imagine in your head. But let me tell you what I'm not about to do. I'm not about to read that dictionary worth of story. If you could throw it up on the screen with some explosions, I'm here for it. Look, okay, and, I, I feel you on some of that because my attention span is short. So I get you. And I've accepted it. Like, Harry Potter. I bet those books were phenomenal. I can only imagine what world or how Gringotts looks in your head. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can only imagine the first like fly over Hogwarts, like how one would feel. But I'm going to have to continue to imagine it because let me tell you what I'm not going to do. It's <laughs> Go read back and read the books. any of them books. I really thought about going back and reading that just like I thought about going back and reading Game of Thrones. No, not doing that either. Somebody looked at me and was like, how are you going to read? You can't even get through an article without stopping half and I can't. Because my attention span is very short. Like, people will send me, like, this is like a seven-minute article. I know it's going to take you about 30 minutes to finish. <laughs> like, I know. But <laughs> they were like, how are you supposed to uh, finish these long books on Game of Thrones? I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I feel like sometimes it's certain things that people mess up. Like, if I, if I take my precious time to get through my attention span and read a book, like, I read um, Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And... The second movie and third, I don't even think I ended up watching the last one, but the first movie, they skipped over half the book. The first movie didn't even make sense, for real. I was like, now, I'm trying not to be this person anymore, but y'all just brought it right back out of me. Like, they skipped a whole scene in the train where there was bonding going on and things were happening, and you just turn that into a two-minute ride and then you don't understand how these people actually like each other. Like, Wait, but what you're telling me is you wanted more Jennifer Lawrence? Look, like, I'm cool. I'm, what I'm just saying is that <laughs> they messed it up. You don't even understand. You're how, how I'm supposed to be Team Peter when they miscast him right. and got him looking all crazy and I don't understand that they halfway fell in love on the train. And he's telling her all these secrets about stuff and he's been liking on her. But they got him looking like a little stumpy boy in the movie. How I'm, how I'm poster? How I'm poster? And they got the little boy over here looking quite handsome. Like, where I'm supposed to get that? <laughs> where I'm supposed to get a Team Peter heart from? I ain't. That's funny. I, I have a uh, not necessarily unpopular opinion, but one thing that I'm tired of hearing I'm tired of people pulling out whoever out of the woodworks to say that they are better at a thing than someone who is popular. So, example, poor Ehemplo, if you will. Mm-hmm. People love to pull out Jennifer Hudson and say that she can outsing Beyonce. They sing differently. Mm-hmm. If she could truly, like, in a style that was selling, mm. outsing someone, what? then you wouldn't have to peddle that logic every five minutes because it would just be commonly hailed. Well. And that's like uh, people, oh, we haven't even talked about the king during this this (laughs) conversation. No, it's good. And I'm going to respectfully keep the purple one out of it because I wouldn't do you like that because I know you miss your dad. Uh Uh-huh, I do. And and he was a very talented person, but I think a lot of people, because Michael Jackson was such a big, ethereal, uh, otherworldly talent, People mm-hmm. try to remove talent from him. So 
they look at his albums and say, oh, he couldn't really sing. And I mean, he stole these dance moves from Dustin So and he, all this, he was weird and this and the third. Okay, think about what his life was like and how weird you would be if you were that um, mm-hmm. secluded. But also, before you talk about how he couldn't sing, dive into his discography and commence to get in your life. Because if all you remember is history or dangerous, then we can't talk. <laughs> like, like, we can't get into some destiny, check out off the wall, like cover to cover. I need you to know that he burned this disco out. Mm. He also couldn't help it. Like, I need, I need you to like one day in your life, like I, I need you to, to get into this. Yeah, my thing with Michael is that in a way similar but different to my father, Prince, in case any of you happen to have forgotten my father, um, is that Michael studied the trend of vocals and music like in the kind of way that Prince studied instrumentation. Like Michael knew what was going to sound good. and He knew he didn't even have to sing a full word for you to get the feeling and the Mm -hmm. emotion from it. And he studied that. It wasn't just like, oh, this is just what he does. He knew what sounded good together vocally. And, and, and he was early to ownership. Yeah. Like, that man credited himself for finger snaps on his albums. Mm. Like, like, look, okay, <laughs> your fave could never. He, yeah, he was, he was on it. And just like, like you said, similar to Prince, he was musicianship. Like, we're going to play all these instruments. We're going to put this together. We're going to do a thing here. Like, this is going to be a serious art form. And right. that is something that is, is not very much present in today. But Beyonce is a legacy of those things. She had interactions with these people who put this into her. Like, yeah, you, you cute. You can sing. You can dance. But you're going to have to put this together in a way that submits your legacy because a few years ago like I was cool on Beyonce like I think she, all she could see she had some she had some beats you know she had some good good songs she was poppy whatever but I was like we've come to a point where nobody is out really doing what she's doing right now so, you know people are singing but everybody loves Beyonce if she stays like this because she has no competition yeah she's gonna go flat mm-hmm. she needs to find a way to compete against herself and luckily that's exactly what she did you have to continue, even though nobody is on your level, on your plane right now, you have to keep fighting against yourself, making yourself better than your last iteration. And this is what we've come to. She's, she's done amazing work. Like, and it, a lot of it is also because of who she chose to put in her circle. Her husband has a lot of, like, people, I don't know. I, I love Jay-Z, and I will say I probably was more a fan of Jay-Z um, before I was a fan of Beyonce, but he always put on a great show. And that was something I loved about him as a rapper. You don't necessarily think you're going to a rap concert that you're going to get a show. Right. And Jay-Z always had the theatrics. The lights would go with his words, like things would move in a certain way. And I think when you added those things together, because the best show, show I had ever seen in my life was Legends of the Summer with Justin and Jay-Z. Uh amazing until Beyonce took that stadium tour concept and created the formation world tour with that box. I said, Oh no, ma'am, ma'am, what is this? What is going on? Which I mean, a lot of her at that point, like I think on that album, the lemonade album, when she did that song, I think it was sandcastles where she played the piano at the beginning. Yes. I think that, and this is rumor. I mean, to do it what you will. 
Prince reached out to her and said, you got to play. You yeah. got to, you got to play. Yeah. And for her to like, listen to that. And I think that that was done before he died. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it was like, Oh, let me go do this thing. But I don't know. It's amazing. Um, another question for you. Who is the least talented person out here making coin? Ooh, ooh. And it's got to be one person. You can't just r- rattle off a list of folks. So There's a bunch of them. The least talented person out here making coin. Ooh, this musically? We're sticking to music? Sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's not, but it's also, I don't know. Let me think. Who would you, do you have an answer? See, it's hard to narrow it down. Yeah. But this will fit into the idea of an unpopular man opinion because she is apparently selling really well. If you uh, say who I'm, because it's somebody in my head, but I don't want to get, I don't want to get murdered if I say it. Well, it's a mix, right? So I'm thinking Rihanna. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> because, I mean, honestly, her talent is her personality and she fine. Yeah. Like, that's it. I mean, she could probably carry a tune if you gave her a wheelbarrow. But I, I look, I, I love Robin. I love <laughs> her. That's my road dog. But, like, vocally, does she have the range? No. no. Does she have the best team on earth picking her songs and putting her albums together? For sure. A hundred percent. Nobody is doing it better than her, including Beyonce. Beyonce puts together some stuff, but whoever Robin is choosing puts together masterpieces. Yeah. Okay. For her. Beyonce's at the point where she can put what she wants and we can't necessarily be in her head to understand it fully all the time. Great work still. But Robin puts out what we want to hear, okay? But yeah, in terms of her actual vocal strength, I do think she's gotten better, but it's not there, per se. Here's another, it's like a meme that I always see. And give me your take on it. Mm-hmm. And you like have turned this into like me interviewing you. Yes. <laughs> your take on the concept of, and I've seen this like guilt trip a few times on timelines. And I think people need to quit confusing doing this with marketing. Mm-hmm. Browbeating people for spending their money on celebrities who do the thing that you do. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm always of the logic. Like we all can eat. It's, it's enough out here for all of us. And y'all going to go and buy Beyonce this and that, but you won't support. Uh, okay. All right, <laughs> if y'all say audience, your audience. Listen. Just because we was born in the same town and went to the same school for 14 years, does that make me your audience? Nah, G. We cool. You the homie. But that don't mean I need whatever you selling. Listen. Okay, like, was we born (laughs) of the same family? Yeah, but that don't mean I rock with what you got going on over here. I'm not your people. Find your people. These people are her people. Let her have her people. Some of the people might be your people too, but it's not the ones you badger. And the one who was almost about to hit okay on the purchase is about to delete right up out of there because you acting a whole fool down your timeline. Chill out. And honestly, when's the last time you've called that friend? Hello. Like, are you sure that they get the however much to to spend on your service? Hello, are you sure? Like, so I just I think think that we gotta think about what marketing is and it's not browbeating it is that, not. that it is not it is not at all like understand that 
you know, put your stuff out there, hope for support. But I'm so surprised when I hear about my friends supporting. Like, even when you said you've listened to a podcast, I'm like, yo, I'm so happy that, you know, you are enjoying it because I'm not, I don't like expect, like, I'm happy for y'all to listen and enjoy and share, but it's not like, oh, you ain't listened to the podcast. Well, I love the perspective that you get from, because you have very different guests and I like that you haven't grown into a very, like, I guess, branded anesthetized experience. <laughs> uh, and what and what I'm saying from there is I feel like when I listen to a lot of the podcasts that I used to like, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm still subscribed to, but I need to kind of clear out of my cash because I never listened to them. Right. I feel browbeaten the whole time. Like, a podcast I'm not going to, like, name because I don't want to mess up whoever listens to your podcast in case they <laughs> both and cross-pollinate or whatever. Right. But one of the hosts on there we used to follow each other on social media then they kind of blew up and got however kind of refigured whoever they were following and then all they do is kind of talk down about heterosexual men and how stupid they are and i'm like i get that you kind of got to protect yourself but don't forget that you have some of us in your audience and i get it this show may not be catered specifically to us but we aren't neanderthalic talk about that kind of person or talk about the fact that you attract that kind of person Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that. And I don't get that from your shows. Yeah. So it's, it's a welcome escape to hear from these people who are in various different industries, various facets of social media. Like I was listening to the one about the woman whose kids were gone for the weekend and she drank a whole bottle of wine. I was like, you are goals. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Valencia is Valencia is amazing. Yeah. That's what I kind of want to do. Like I want to give people like you can, you know, live your best life, you know, taking the tagline and do all types of things and you don't have to fit into, you know, a bottle. And if things happen in your life, like it's okay. Like you can still pick yourself up and keep it moving. Like, you know, we got to roll with the punches. Like it's better than the alternative just sitting here and let life pass us by. So that's like my whole purpose for, for all of this. Resilience is so important. And I mean, the, openness of the episode that you and Wes did when y'all talked about your chronic illnesses that people don't understand those things that are like not an outward malady right like you don't see me limp or you don't see me missing a limb or something like that so that means it doesn't exist no it's something I deal with every day Mm -hmm. and I'm fighting like hell to make it through and do the things that seem normal to you and I think that having a space to hear that and not feel like it's performative is amazing. One of the things that people have always said about my social media um, footprint, that didn't, didn't it sound branded, branded, it sound like I'm like, <laughs> like a hashtag and stuff, yeah. uh, but is, the, is how open I am about my battle with mental illness. Yeah. Um, growing up, my mom was depressed. Uh, she had a, my, my little brother was born very premature. My dad is a Vietnam vet, so there's PTSD right there. Um, and as I got older, I, I was diagnosed with mild depression. I didn't know to be ashamed of it. Yeah. So, so I openly discuss it. I don't think that there's anything to be ashamed of. No. And I think that there are spaces to discuss these things because once you are able to discuss it, you take some of his teeth away. People can better understand how you're moving in, in like the world and society and you make room for yourself. And I think that that is necessary. And I appreciate you for doing it on your piece of the internet. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I appreciate you joining me like to, you know, share your story and your life and, you know, sharing those pieces of your life 
and showing how that all kind of fits together, dealing with those issues every day and still being able to see a life for yourself and how things can work out, you know, how they're supposed to. That and a lot of Jameson. <laughs> Drag. <laughs> you know, so I, I actually do not drink anymore since I got ill. Well, it's afterwards. I didn't like how my body felt because um, mm-hmm. alcohol suppresses everything. And for some reason, my lungs at that point are like, oh, so it's vacation. Uh, <laughs> we about to just dip out. We'll catch you in about 24 to 48. You don't need us, right? So <laughs> I'll drink a little bit and it'll be like, okay, so how am I supposed to breathe with no air? So, Come through. How am I supposed to breathe? <laughs> No. Come through, Chris and Jordan. <laughs> okay. So I had to make that executive decision to not drink anymore. But some days, ooh, some days I'm just like, I, I'm just, I need to do something. I need a cupcake. That's what I go to now. I need a cupcake. How about yeah. that? Listen, but I'm so old that if I drink full strength juice, I'm going to end up being drunk. Because the way <laughs> I just process the sugar. <laughs> Don't your body change. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why has that forsaken me? Hoo-wee. I be I be um putting water in my simply lemonade like who real we mm, we just old people. We gonna turn into our grandparents. Real. Too real. But yeah, thank you for joining me again on today on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Like whenever you find time you want to just hear from an old southern <laughs> washed parent <laughs> let me know yes we'll do the washed chronicles because we both we both we, we both. really I'm in, I'm in new orleans i don't even do nothing People <laughs> like, oh my gosh you having fun yes i go to work and back to my apartment it is the most amazing time ever <laughs> so yeah but yeah thank you again i appreciate it and i yeah we'll definitely have to revisit this again so thanks for joining Thanks so much for having me, Wit. No problem. Thank you for listening to When Wit Happens. You can find Wit living her best life at withappen6.com and at withappen6 on social media. Subscribe and follow for updates. Until next time, keep living your best life. <laughs>